Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Mental Condition and Gym Podcast. I'm, my, I'm your host. I'm Elliot Allen. I'm very excited to have another episode with you guys as we start the fourth season of the Mental Condition and Gym Podcast, aka uh, Life's GPS. So we, we have made that adjustment to where we have adjusted the name, but the content is still the same. As a matter of fact, it's just as powerful as ever. And we are really, really turning it up um, to start off the month of June. Uh, the month of June, we're going to be really highlighting and focusing fatherhood. This is the month of Father's Day, so we, we're really going to be doing that. And it's exciting that we're actually in the studio here in the mental conditioning gym as we've been putting in a tremendous amount of work. I'm getting excited. I'm just talking about it. I'm slow myself down and really get into it because we've been doing a lot of work uh, on manhood. We've had numerous, numerous uh, mental conditioning gym sparring sessions in regards to manhood. And it's very exciting to me the things that we are learning uh, when, as we're coming together. The sparring sessions have been very, very, very competitive, certain, certainly from a mental standpoint. And the things that the men are sharing in the gym is really allowing us to, as the term I like to use, iron sharpens iron. And when we leave here, we're really sharpening each other's edges and really getting ourselves ready to go out there and to deal with the world and able to navigate through a lot of the things mentally that are challenging to us. But one of the things that we don't do as men is have discussions about it. So that's why um, the sparring sessions in the mental conditioning gym have become so very, very powerful. And frankly, it's become one of the more uh, favorite things that we do for me um, here in the gym. And so we're going to try to bring that certainly this month, and we're not going to stop after this month, but we're going to really set it off this month, the month of June, uh, doing that right here on the Mental Conditioning Gym podcast. And there's no better way to start it off than how we're going to start it off this month. We started off hot. Uh, we got a brother in the studio today who is really, really what it's all about. And what we're going to do is really be able to dig into his mindset. He and I met probably two, three, if not more, years ago. And I was actually on his podcast and he turned up the heat on me that day, uh, big time. And we talked about a lot of things. And at that time, I didn't necessarily have, I had the mental condition and gym concept, um, but a lot of the things that I've developed since then have been different. Uh, so we sparred that day. I didn't use that term, but we had an excellent sparring session. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, today, and we're going to go a little bit further. But remember, you know, for all the listeners out there, we're here to spar to really get into the mindset of fatherhood. And we're going to take that even deeper as we get started. So without further delay, let me give this man right here his just do and give him, you know, his uh, introduction as he is a powerhouse uh, mentally, uh, physically. I'm looking at him right now. He got a little bit of guns on him. So I see he's actually been working out in the physical gym as well. So he is doing it from all ends of the spectrum. Ladies and gentlemen, inter introducing Mr. Michael Dorsey, a.k.a. Mike D. How are you doing today, sir? Man, brother Allen, I'm so, so, so happy to be here, my man. Thank you for inviting me to come and get a sparring session in. This is a uh... This is going to be the bomb, man. I'm looking forward to it. So thank you for, for inviting me to the, to the session, man. Yes, it's my pleasure to be able to uh, have you here. And we're going to we're gonna start it off in traditional way uh, here in the mental conditioning gym. When you hear the opening bell, that means we are getting ready to go. So without further ado, let's get it popping, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Think, you know, uh, just as any other traditional show, we always like to start at the top and then we work Mind and work our way through it. So I'm gonna start right at the top and just ask you about that. I mentioned in the introduction about uh, your podcast. So tell us a little bit about your podcast and, and, and 
just give us a brief synopsis of what that podcast is all about. Oh, absolutely, man. Thank you so much for asking. Um, you know, I am the creator of Black Fathers Now podcast, and the tagline is bring the village to the brothers. And we bring the village in the form of insight, inspiration, and wisdom. But the ultimate goal is to bring that insight and wisdom to the table so that brothers can take it, apply it to their lives, and ultimately live a fulfilling life. You know, my true calling is as a personal development coach. So you'll hear me referred to at times as Coach Mike D. And I'm behind the scenes with a lot of brothers, really helping them to, you know, become encouraged, empowered. But the ultimate goal is for them to enhance their impact and fulfillment in the world. Because ultimately, if we're not walking in purpose, there's somebody out there that's struggling or suffering because they don't get that. And so we need to walk in purpose. And, you know, Black Fathers Now is a conduit that I use to really get to talk about personal development, growth, and um, and then ultimately helping us you know, be the best versions of who we are day in and day out. And one of those byproducts is that we become better husbands and better fathers. <laughs> I'm laughing, man, because you're right in tune. Uh, I, I was listening. This is one of those foreign sessions that when I went to bed last night, I was really excited about it. I didn't get much sleep because you know, I'm ready to go because I know what you bring to the table. And, you know, you you, you summed it up um, right there. When we're talking about fatherhood, uh, Mike, you know, there's so many layers to that. It really is. And you hit it. Right there, you know, in, in a quick 30 seconds that you just talked about, there's so many layers to that. We're going to really go through that. And we're going to go through that with you and your personal uh, journey uh, in fatherhood. And we have to kind of, it's important to lay that foundation um, as we talk about this. So for you specifically, tell me a little bit about yourself in terms of, did you come from a two-parent household or a one-parent household? Mm, interesting. So I actually came from a two parent household. And what was interesting, um, when I think back to it, my grandparents were married to death to until their death. My mm -hmm. great grandparents, if I'm not mistaken, I think one was remarried, but pretty much it, actually the one that was remarried was remarried because her previous spouse had passed away. So pretty much three generations back, I came from parents who were married to their death. And my parents you know, are still married to this day. Now, just because they were married does not mean that they, you know, there weren't challenges and issues and, you know, dealing with addiction and all these different things that, that kind of happen, um, you know, in the household itself. But I, I did come from a two-parent household, which has, in, you know, influenced me and sometimes the subconscious because my wife, her parents are still married to this day. And so it's like, it's interesting how, and, and it's funny, my brothers, both of them married women, whose parents are still married to this day. And it's not that we necessarily purposefully sought yes. that out, but the reality is, I guess maybe there's this subconscious thing that gets planted that you ultimately end up aligning with something that's right for you. So even with the inconsistencies and the challenges growing up, you know, and seeing some things that may not have been perfect, it still planted the seed that marriage was important. So I did come from a two-parent household. Very, very interesting. I want to, I'm going to slow it down right there. We, we're going to really get after it because that's a very, very, very critical point. And in the sparring sessions that I've had with men and the sparring sessions that I've had on um, with women and even on the, on the podcast that we've done, we've done panels of men and women and we've addressed that uh, topic and we've addressed that topic. And one of the, the issues that came up uh, when I interviewed the women, I had a panel of three women. And this was really something that really has stood out to me over the years. I did this podcast at least a year ago. And the women said the opposite of what you just said. When they were dating their husbands, their future husbands, they said that they came, their household was a single parent household. 
But the thing that really attracted them at the end of the day said, this is my man, this is who I'm going to marry, is the fact that they went over their future husband's house. They saw that structure of a man and a woman in that household. And they said, I like this. Mm-hmm. I really like this. And I want this. You just told us that. You just articulated that. But I want to dig a little bit deeper because I think this is something, again, that listeners need to hear. This is why I got the man for the job today, ladies and gentlemen, because he has the ability to articulate. These are things sometimes that I think for me and you, because I also come from a two-parent household, that we take for granted. So what we need to do today is I want to really try to dig it out and be able to articulate this to our listeners. What is it that you saw? Now, this is going to be challenging for us because you said these are things that become a little bit subconscious for us. Mm-hmm. We're not really conscious of because it's just normal. But try to dig a little bit for me and tell me a little bit about what that feeling was of seeing mom and dad in that household. And you talked about even further generation. Grandma and grandpa was also mm-hmm. in that household. And you also talked about, you gave me a lot of meat to, to eat right now. Mm-hmm. You also talked about it not being easy. Because a lot of times people think like, oh, yeah, you've been married for 50 years or 60 years. because I'm in the same boat. My parents were married until, until my father passed away last year, 52 years. But be clear, it was not easy. Mm-hmm. And that is actually part of the process that we see certainly as sons, as as children, that they got through it. So tell, tell me a little, about, a, bit, a little bit about that process for you as a young boy growing up and seeing mom and dad together as a couple and even into your adult years, working together, working through it. What was the influence of that on Mike D? I, I'll tell you this, man. It, um, it helps you to really take an understanding of what love is. And love is commitment, right? And commitment is something that literally holds consistent through the ups and the downs. I mean, because they're going to be roller coasters in life. You know, they're going to be times in which, you know, you can't stand each other. You're going to be fussing and, you know, you might have a short shoulder because you've been sleeping on the couch for a couple of days, you yes. know, whatever it may be, right? But yes. that doesn't mean that it's over because one of the things that actually being able to see not just perfect times all the time, one of the things that are one of the components of that is so powerful is that you see people overcome challenges, right? You see people, you know, in spite of, you know, move forward and, you know, do things. And and it shows you the difference between love and infatuation. See, when we look at the surface and we watch television or we watch movies, you know, love is, you know, butterflies in your stomach and this woo-woo feeling. But the reality is that's infatuation. You know, that might just mean you're horny. You know what I'm saying? It's not the fact that that's love. Love is when you really can't stand that person You in that moment, you still do what's necessary because they need it and yes. you can see the bigger picture. Yes. And so for me, when I think about the whole concept of witnessing marriage in spite of challenges, you know, in spite of imperfections, and I use a quote all the time, this stage, you know, perfection is not a requirement for greatness, right? Because when we give ourselves grace and space and understand that we're imperfect, but then you understand that love is a commitment, not just a feeling. And you kind of mix that soup all together and you let it sit in the crock pot for a little bit. You kick out this thing on the back end. It's like, okay, this marriage thing is more than just how I'm feeling right now. It's more so how am I going to be feeling 40, 50, 60 years from now, right? When somebody's sick, when somebody's at their worst, how am I going to be feeling there? Because again, everybody can do it when you're looking good, smelling good, you know, 
I, I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't know the, the the audience of the podcast, but you know, we married brothers. So when you coming off the top rope, yeah, I see the rope in the back, and you yes, know, sir. and she's Hercules, Hercules, you know, when all yes, that sir. stuff is perfect, oh man, it's easy, right? Yes. But mm-hmm. when that stuff changes, you know, is, is that infatuation still there? But the infatuation may change, but is the commitment still going to be there? And so witnessing ups, downs, changes, roller coasters, and all of that from multiple generations of, of marriages um, helps you to kind of get a full understanding of what it's really about. And that thing is commitment. Uh, excellent, excellent. And I think that's so very important for us to be able to articulate because, and we're going to get into this a little bit more as we go on, but one of the things that we constantly hear is, you know, lack of examples. Uh, again, we're talking about men today. So men do talk about that a lot. So I didn't have a father in the household, so I don't know. So this is why I do take such pride in again these workshops, especially for our men, to be able to give the example, to say that this is how it looks, fatherhood, manhood. And with mm-hmm. that, I'm going to, I'm going to you, you use the word influence a little bit earlier. And we're going to hone it in even tighter now mm-hmm. to talk about being a man, I want to hear from you, your influence from your father now, seeing your father. We talked about it from the standpoint of that marriage, that man and that woman being together. You know, you seeing that young Mike D seeing, okay, I see how my mom and my dad are interacting. Commitment. You're putting some definition to that word of commitment when it comes to marriage. I'm very, very big on that word and, and, and getting real good definition to it. And you did an excellent job of putting definition to commitment. What does that mean? It's not always going to be good. As you said, sometimes we, we, we come through these ropes and you're not going to have a good day. You're going to get knocked around. And, and, and outside of that ring, your wife, your wife is watching. And you got to get out of that ring. It's sometimes a little bit bar- embarrassing because you got your behind kicked so bad. But the commitment is for her to be, be like, you know what? I saw that. You got your behind kicked. Let's go in the back, wash you up, give you a massage, and we're going to get you ready to go back out there again. Right. That's part of commitment. And that goes vice versa, committing to each other in the good and bad times. But we want to again be very specific. Commitment for men. Your dad was in that house. So me and you are on that same page that we had our fathers there. There are things that we see as young boys, as sons from our fathers that create that great influence that will go with us throughout our whole life. I want you to talk to us about the influence that you saw from your dad, from being a man, manhood, because mm-hmm. there's things that we see. Not our fathers can talk to us all the time. Son, I have sons now. I talk to them all the time. But I also understand that the example that I'm giving to them of what they actually visually see me doing, the execution of what I'm actually doing, as opposed to me running off at the mouth, which I can do pretty good when it comes to them. But it's very important to be able to execute that. And I'm speaking from both standpoints, from a father and from a son. I saw my father do the things that he told us. And my father was not necessarily the most um, verbal person. So for, for us, it was really like watching him. Like, oh, man, your dad did that. Tell us about what you saw from your father in that house. In terms of his commitment, in terms of his manhood, in terms of how he looked at marriage, in terms of mm. how he looked at being a dad. Mm. Yeah. You know, I'm going to tell you, man, the thing that is um, is so, so powerful about you asking that question is that 
when you, I don't call people complicated. I say that individuals are complex, right? Meaning that they're layers. And so what's interesting about my situation with my father is, you know, again, we're all imperfect beings. And so we bring, we have different, you know, influences and different things in the mix, which calls, you know, different actions or, or different things to take place. And so I grew up in a situation in which, you know, my father struggled with addiction, right? Mm -hmm. So because of that, it was one of those things where, you know, I didn't always know the rhyme or reason behind why actions took place, right? I just knew that, you know, something wasn't right and maybe some actions were taking place that I don't agree with. And, and these were challenging. That's why I mentioned the whole notion of being married, even though there were challenges, you know, we had a whole lot of different influences in the mix. Um, but what I'll tell you about my father, which is impactful, and this is actually something that's very recent. It's the notion of continuously sticking with trying to become better, right? Yes, because when I looked at my dad and I looked at, you know, some of the challenges with, you know, with, with addiction, um, one of the things that I had to do was really do a deep dive as to why. Right. And when I started looking at his backstory and the childhood traumas that he and his, you know, his siblings faced growing up, you know, it opened up this window for me to understand that there's a why behind this addiction. Right. And mm -hmm. so for me, I actually had issues in which, you know, I at times didn't like my father because mm -hmm. of the addiction. But when I got to and this is a very recent thing over the last, you know, five, six years where I've really done this deep dive and understanding you know, where that came from, it opened me up to understand that I don't have a dislike for my father. I have a dislike for the addiction or I have a dislike for the influences which led to the addiction. And so for me, what I learned from my father was that you can be a great person and have some challenges, but those challenges do not dismiss the fact that you're still a great person, right? And it also has helped me to be a person who no longer idolizes an individual or no longer, you know, focuses on, you know, an individual in their totality, I look more so at the actions of that individual. So yes. for what that does is, is that that allows me to give grace to people who make, you know, bad decisions. But then on the flip side, it allows me not to turn an individual into a deity because of something good they do, because we're all imperfect beings, mm -hmm. right? So they, again, this is something like on a personal level, you know, I, you know, I'm a therapist and I, you know, doing my podcast is cathartic for me to kind of work through scenarios. But then I process, I read and I talk and I ask direct questions because I have to make sense of things on a personal level. And so for me growing up, a lot of the examples that I may have gotten at times may not have been great examples. But then when I look back to those examples and I've done my deep dive processing, it helps me to now make sense of what happened. And so it allows me to give grace, but then the flip side of that now is I see the progress of someone who wants to improve and someone who wants to be better. And that gives me hope that this lifelong journey thing is a continuum that we need to stay on and to not jump off or to not give up. And so, so for me, again, like I, like I mentioned, it's not complicated, it's complex. And, but when you talk to individuals, you come to realize that we all have complex situations, right? And um, and they're all layered. We use we always don't share them, or we don't put it on front street, you know. But if our story can help somebody, 
I think it's beneficial or it's incumbent upon us to share that. So, so for me, I don't know if, that, if I answered your question or if I opened 100%. up another round of questioning. I mean, I'm down for whatever, my brother. Listen, 100 <laughs> percent. I'm going to tell you why I loved your answer and and it was your situation. And thank you for being so transparent with that, because that's, this is really, really, really important. And I'm going to slow it down. Because we got to look at this. We got to, again, you put some nice macaroni and cheese on my plate. And I love macaroni and cheese. So we got to eat this one up. This is important. When I ask that question, a lot of times the answer is usually, you know, well, you know, my dad was a great man. He told me these great things and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Which I'm not saying that the person is not being truthful. Mm -hmm. But I think it's so powerful. Once again, you kind of talked about this in terms of witnessing marriage. And that, and I'm with you 100%, it's not all gravy. Mm-hmm. And I actually believe that the trials and tribulations and challenges is really what creates the character to allow us to be able to push forward in life. It makes us even stronger. And so when I ask you that question for you to say, you know what, it, it, I don't necessarily have that. He had challenges. I think that's so powerful because that shows and that almost takes out that excuse of, oh, I didn't have a father. There's ways around it. We use that pain. You talked about that. I use that pain to say, well, you know what? That is actually, believe it or not, an influence. Mm-hmm. We see sometimes and we assume because something is negative that is not an influence. That's not an accurate statement. Mm-hmm. It is an influence because I saw that and I didn't want to go down that road. I know how it made me feel when my father was dealing with what he was dealing with. And I had to come home and I had to deal with that because that's on me. I'm seeing him, as you said, make decisions. That's like, you know what? Yesterday when he wasn't doing what he was doing, he was clear on that decision. Today Uh he's doing what he's doing. I don't know what's going on. Uh His decision making is a little shaky. Quite Uh frankly, he's out of character for him. That is an influence Uh for you to say, you know what? I know how I feel about that. I'm sitting up in my room and this is really kicking my behind. It's bothering me and I'm hurt. Maybe even shed some tears about it. Mm-hmm. I don't want my kids to feel that. That's Ooh. the influence that I'm talking about. Can I, can I tell you, I'm almost being right there and I don't, I don't mean to cut you off. No, no, man. no, this is what we do. Go ahead. Man, yeah, we're sparring. And, and I'm gonna tell you, honestly, one of the initial um, inspirations for Black Fathers Now was that, right? Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. like, I want to put something out there because of how I felt and I want to help other, you know, kids to not feel a certain way due to maybe the actions of a father. But and it's interesting it, how inspiration can come from a place of, you know, I'm trying to be the opposite of that in my life. But yes. the reality is you start to uncover more about yourself in the process. And then you take something that was like a negative inspiration to an extent and you really turn it positive, and now you thank your father for what's happened, and you thank your father for the inspirations, because in the midst of that, and now me, again, going back to that whole notion of I can look at the action, and I can criticize or celebrate an action, and not necessarily the whole person, it gives me this uh, ability to start saying, I don't just see the challenges, I can also see the, dude, this guy's a problem solver. Like, I've never seen someone who can basically build something up or create something with you know pieces of this and pieces of that like i've never seen anybody be able to do that like my dad and then mm-hmm. when i look at it again you clear yourself away from frustration because frustration and anger clouds you know your perspective or your mindset and then you start to see that man 
my granddad, his father was one that could fix this and fix that. You give him a pack of gum and a, you know, a paper clip, he could fix your car. You know what I'm saying? It was yes, just, yes, I mean, <laughs> yeah. and, and my dad had some of that. Right. But then it was interesting. You start to then understand that I am this kind of tweaker person. Like I'm not one that fixes things physically, but like my wife will go in the kitchen and look in the refrigerator and say, we don't have anything in here. And I'm like, get out the way. Give me 30 minutes. And I come there and hook yeah, something up. And she's yeah. like, where did you get all this stuff from? I was like, it was sitting right there. There's a little bit of this. There was a half an onion here, two tomatoes there, you know, leftover ground beef there, something here, the can of corn. I mean, all these different things. And I hook up something and everybody's tearing it up. But it's part of that same thing. And then when I look at it again, when you remove frustration, you remove anger, you start to see that that's something that my dad does yeah. very well. And that's something that his father did really well in their own way. Now, they might have been doing fixing cars and, you know, machinery and technology and all. And I might be doing it in the kitchen. Yes. But it's still that 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 thing passes down. And I'm able to see it now because yes. I'm not clouded by anger. And so yes. it's, it's interesting how, again, we but it, but it starts from being able to look at each individual circumstance or situation and keep yourself in a position in which you can celebrate or criticize that situation, not necessarily celebrate or criticize the whole entire person because we're all flawed, but perfection is not a requirement for greatness. Listen, here's the part about it, and, and there's four principles that we, we go by here in the mental conditioning gym. That's what we base everything on. And, and the first principle is self-evaluation. That's the most important principle of the four principles of training your mind is that self-evaluation and to be able to evaluate where you are uh, in certain circumstances. And that's important when we're talking about our influences, especially our parents. I tell people this, and this is very, very important when it comes to parenting. And you, and you said it, and I'm going to just paraphrase it in a different way. I tell parents this. We are our children's first mental conditioning coach. I'm going to say that again. We are our children's first mental conditioning coach. But here's the piece that is very, very important. You have that job whether you show up or not. Mm -hmm. You have that job whether you show up or not. So if you are an absentee dad, you still have the position. So you are influencing that child's mind. Fast forward, as Mike, Mike D just did, this is where the self-evaluation part has to come into play. And this is where it gets very difficult because self-evaluation is hard. Because now you have to identify, Mike D just talked about it. You have to identify why you're doing that. Mm -hmm. Why am I doing that? Why do I, when things start to get rough, it's just my initial reaction to be like, trying to get the hell out of here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why am I doing that? That's hard. And it takes a lot of drumming up and peeling back layers. And we don't like to do that because more than times than not, we look at the rules like, ooh, that don't look too good. I don't, I don't mm -hmm. want to see that. Let me cover that up. And so a lot of times that for, for us as men, that does come from our fathers, even though they were not there. So that's why I try to tell men, you have to analyze that even if they're not there, even if they had challenges or whatever it was, whether it was addiction, whether it was adultery or, or whatever it may be that they were doing in the household, we can't cover that up and mm -hmm. not address it. We have to peel back those layers because that's part of our 
self-evaluation. And if we don't identify that and we keep operating without identifying that, we run into trouble because we cannot, we're going to get into this even further because we're going to start to talk about finding partners and finding relationships. We can never really do that because we have not evaluated ourselves properly. Mm. That's a very key ingredient to this whole part. And that's why I try to be as transparent with this podcast. When we spar in the gym, it's important for us to understand the transparency of that. And I'm going to go into this, this next piece. As we talk about fatherhood, we got to rewind just a little bit. And we got to take it back because before we become a father, what's the first thing? We are a man. Mm-hmm. Manhood mm-hmm. is very, very important. That's going to dictate that next term, which is fatherhood. So let's, let's, let's look at that and let's ask a very important question. This is a question that I've regurgitated on my podcast to men and to women. We've done that in the gym. We've done workshops on it. And I've gotten so many different array of answers that have started arguments, started controversies and all over the place. And I'm going to give you that question, Mike D. Tell me what is a quality man? What is a quality man? And, I, and I'll give you a little tidbit to that. When I first started asking the question, the question you said, and, and I had to get rid of the term, I don't like it. Because sometimes uh-huh. I think that women like to use that against us. And uh-huh. when people say real man, because I know uh-huh. when women get upset with us, they like to come back and say, huh, Mike, you're not a real man. And so you know, that bothers us, right? <laughs> right? So I don't use that term anymore. I say quality man. Tell me what do you think? is a quality man. What are the qualities that a man you believe should have? A quality man, and it won't even take long to explain this. A quality man is a man who is what he needs to be in that particular moment. Love it. That's it. I love it. And that involves decision-making? Yeah. But, but so check this out. The thing is, you know, a man to me is a quality man or a real man or however you want to define it. Is, quality. Yes, that's, that's a quality man <laughs> is is literally is, is a man or is an individual who is what he needs to be in that particular moment. So if I need to if I need to step up and, and you know, be a protector, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to protect. I'm going to yes. lay my life down. Yes. You know, if I need to provide and get and we need to make something happen, guess what? I'm going to go figure out a way to make it happen. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. If I need to cry and hug and and support, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to cry, hug and support. If I need to be the voice, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to speak up and grab that mic. Right. If I need to fall into the background and just be there and I need in that individual, my wife or my kids just need to know that I'm in the building so that they can step out and do what they're supposed to do with the spotlight on them. Guess what? I am that. You know, for me, it's interesting. I, um, you know, I have a tattoo on my wrist, and I don't mm-hmm. know if you are this is video or not, but mm-hmm. it says, I don't know if you can see it. It says, "I am," and the "I am" is facing me, and then after that, it says, "We are." So, mm-hmm. "I am" is facing towards me, and "We are" is facing towards someone else. And so, for me, it, you know, from a spiritual perspective, you know, Jesus said, "I am." Like, who, you know, who, who are you? I am, right? So, it's just like, "I am what? I am what? I am." Right. Mm-hmm. And to me, when I think about being a man, the simple response is I am. I'm supposed to be whatever that's needed in that particular moment. Right. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because I have I am and we are. There's a um, there's a Zulu term that says Ubuntu, which is I am because we are, which is basically symbolizing humanity. 
And so when you step back and you think about it, if you're, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, not a real man, but a, um, what did you, what, what did you say? If you're a quality man, mm-hmm. then you are I am, right? Because if you are what you're supposed to be, everybody else attached to you, connected to you, or impacted you, impacted by you, can be what they're supposed to be. So simply, a quality man is a person or a man that does what's needed to be done in that particular moment. And one more thing that it emphasizes is the fact that that man or that individual is present because you can't do what you need to do in the moment living in yesterday. Mm. And I can't do what I need to do in the moment focused on what's happening tomorrow. Mm. I have to be engaged with you. So right now I am a man having a conversation with my man, Elliot Allen, because I'm looking at Mm. you. You and I are having a conversation and I'm present here doing nothing else. So right now, I'm a quality man. All right, listen, I agree. And you're bringing quality, quality information to the table. And I have great, great, great respect for that. And I, and I really, I love the way that you, you put that because in, in some of these words and terms, again, reflecting on, it's, it's so powerful to me because it's reflecting on what you previously said. You know, you talked about your dad and you talked about, uh, decision making, and you talked about him being, you know, a, a problem solver. I love that. I think that's a great quality of growth, becoming an adult, having those abilities to be able to do that. And then you just tied that into that being a quality of a man to be able to do that because life is like this mm-hmm. spending, 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 spending. And at times it's spend not, you know, nice spend for you. But then most of the time, let's be honest, it's spending so fast. It's spinning so fast that decision-making, the ability to be able to problem-solve is very challenging. Mm-hmm. And I listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit old school. We're going to get into this in a few minutes, too. Yeah, yeah. And then I just think that, you know, as we talk about marriage and the role of man, I, I, I feel that responsibility. That's what I saw from my mm-hmm. dad. And I saw that from my grandfather, that, you know what, it's kind of incumbent upon us. That's not to take anything away from our women and our wives. They're very mm-hmm. smart. But I just mm-hmm. feel as though that decision-making process is what I try to give to my sons. Mm. And as, as, as we move on to the next step, we're getting closer to fatherhood. The next step here is going to be marriage. Mm. Can, you, can, can, I, can I add something there? Uh, go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. You, you know, and it's interesting because, again, like when we think about the qualities and characteristics, you know, a lot of people are wired intellectually to want to find a list like give me a bullet pointed list of what it means to be a man give me these mm-hmm. mm-hmm. point plans of what it means to be a man and what's interesting there are mm-hmm. kinds of some principles that transcend generations right meaning things that were true 50 years ago or 100 years ago or 200 years ago are still true to this day right mm-hmm. but things do grow and evolve and so to that point it's interesting and that's why i kind of you know, resort back to saying what's needed in that particular moment is what I need a man to be. Because sometimes we get dogmatic into specific societal roles of the man does these five things and she stays barefoot in the kitchen and she raises the the inside. I take care of the outside of the house and that's just how it works. And in some instances, if that's needed in the moment, then guess what? We're going to make that thing happen in the moment. But the reality is that might not be needed in the moment. That might not be what's, you know, right for your family structure based off of, you know, you all's professional situation or family situation or income or whatever it may be. It might be something different. And so that's why on a personal level, I at times, you know, um, 
resort to not always telling people what a man should be, but more so that a man, to your point, is one that uh, solves problems, who can communicate well, who handles business, but he's whatever he needs to be in that moment because um, because those moments change. And it's going to be hard for me to say to my son 40 years from now, you know, what that might look like. You know what I'm saying? Or my grandson 60 years from now. So, but that's just me. That's just a perspective to kind of think about. Listen, I'm, I can't, I can't, I can't go any further. I have to mm -hmm. stop. You know why? Because I, I, when I asked you that question, I told you that created a tremendous amount of controversy, a mm -hmm. tremendous amount of controversy. That question alone, because depending on, and it's and it's funny that you say that. I'm gonna slow down. Mm -hmm. here. This is important okay. because when I last season on the podcast, we did um, men. Uh, and women panels and we would wanted we really wanted to get into the mindset of men we want to get into the mindset of women and I had a panel put together and I didn't think about age you just talked about that and I was um getting some work done I have a stress therapist I'm getting a little bit older so I need I need stuff like that a stress therapist and she's a young lady she's 26 years old and I was telling her about it she's like oh man that's really really good and she asked me well how old are the guys and the guys in my age group Mm -hmm. which is about 40. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, really? She's like, you know, you, I think you need to have, you know, younger people. And it, at first it kind of struck me, like, what do you mean younger people? I'm not, you know, I'm not old. But when we did the show, I said, you know what? She's right. Yeah. Because in my age group, when I asked that question, the fire storm, storm started because of what you just said. Mm -hmm. But it, and Mike, it's a, it's a tough conversation because I understood what they meant. I asked one of the brothers on the show about quality men and, and quality women. And when we asked about a quality woman, he talked about, be careful and, and don't shut me down, ladies. I'm, I'm just saying what he said. <laughs> he talked about cooking. Mm -hmm. And I know he didn't mean it. And you kind of said it yourself when you just, he didn't mean it in that way of, honey, get in my kitchen and make my meal. Mm -hmm. But he was talking about it more from an older school way because he talked about his grand his grandparents. Mm -hmm. And he said that, you know, for him, that was a way of honoring. He felt like a woman preparing the meal for her husband was a way of honoring. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel as though he meant it in a way to say, I'm dominant over you, better do that. Mm -hmm. I love mm -hmm. the way that you put it to say, like, it's whatever it is at that moment. Maybe mm -hmm. for somebody... Honoring their man may be, honey, go outside and cut the grass for me. Maybe. Yeah, seriously. Maybe. You never know. You, mm -hmm. you never know. Mm -hmm. I love the way that you put that. And I think that in this, that's the type of mindset we do have to have because life is ever changing and, and roles are ever changing of, of what a woman can do and what a man can do. And we have to be adaptable to that. That's important yeah. to have that type of adaptable mindset. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I, I was going to add because, you know, and one of the things I agree with, I think concepts and principles transcend generations, but tactics change. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you think about it, you know, for instance, you think about like investing in money. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you work a job, people will tell you, you know, 401k and Roth IRA and you know, company match and all of that. But it's interesting. The Roth IRA was not invented until 1998. Mm -hmm. You think about the 401k wasn't invented, I think, until like 1978. Mm -hmm. So prior to 1978, which basically our parents and before that fell into that generation, they didn't even have those things as an option. Right. Mm -hmm. If you talk to my grandparents generation, my, all of my grandparents have passed now. But, you know, back in the day during World War Two, 
you know, they they got into buying savings bonds, right? Indeed. So that Indeed. was the way that they invested. And so if you, and Indeed. I remember growing up, my grandmother every birthday would give me a savings bond, right? Yes. But yeah. if you look back from a standpoint of like the growth rate on those savings bonds, now that's not a great investment, right? Yes. Yes. And so, so, but that's a tactic, right? It's not a principle. Now the principle of, hey, you need to find a way to put your money somewhere that's going to grow. That principle of that concept transcends the, you know, the test of time. Yes. But just the tactical way in which we operate or that we execute on that, that's the thing that changes. And that's what we have to be attuned to. And that's why I think it's so important. And I, I agree with the wisdom of the therapist that stated, you know, you need some young guys on a panel. I think you need some young guys, but you also need some elders. So you have yes. some brothers who are in their 70s, 80s, 90s. Who, yes. you know, who can sit there and give their wisdom, as well as some young brothers in their teens and 20s. Because the thing is, it, you even think about back in the day, you know, when in, in African, you know, traditions, when they would sit under the baobab tree, it was everybody. It was the elders on down to the babies yes. sitting there consuming information, right? Yes. It was not isolated and, and segmented to different groups. And so we almost have to get there so that we can get the full scope of yes. where it is we're headed and so but I, i'm sorry i, I can go no 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 that's exactly what we look and, and i tell you what i i took her advice and we ended up doing that and i learned a lot because it was different you know my 20 i had a panel of 26 year old females it was different from my panel of you know my over 40 females it was different and i it, it surprised me you know like, wow you know what the line of thinking was different but and we need to to have that we need to have that dialogue to kind of understand you know, those 26-year-olds need to listen to those over 40s, but the over 40s need to also listen to the 26-year-olds and, and males, vice versa. So that was really, really an important piece. And to and I want to move into the marriage piece of it. Mm -hmm. I want to get your same, it's pretty much be the same question, you know, from a male perspective. And, and I love how you're really breaking this down and kind of showing like the evolution of life. Because mm -hmm. these things are changing. You know, if I ask this question to a 70-year-old man, as opposed to our age or somebody even younger, the answers are going to be different. Um, you're, you're more in my age group, so I'm really relating to how you're, you know, putting these answers, and I, and I have great respect for that. But from a married, marital standpoint now, and manhood, let's put all of these pieces together. We talked about manhood, talked about quality man, we talked about our influences. Let's talk about marriage now. That mindset, this is also, I think, tremendously important into today's society, because as I'm seeing it today, I think that marriage is not um, holding the same weight uh, mm -hmm. as we've seen uh, in the past. And, and that's something that I think is really important. And I think one of the reasons is because we're not having this conversation that me and you are about to get into right now in terms of what does that mean to us as men? What does that mean to us in terms of overall family structure? I mm -hmm. think that me and you are fully on the same page and that our passion here at the end of the day is the family structure. We have yes. so many ills in society today that I personally attribute to, yes, you know, mental condition is a big thing for me, but I also attribute that to lack of family structure. The love of family puts us in a position to say, you know what, I'm not going to take that drink tonight. I'm not going to jump on this plane and, and, and leave town without telling my family where I'm going. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to have a conversation with this woman that I'm not supposed to be having a conversation with, even though she's absolutely gorgeous and mm -hmm. she has my number and she wants to call me. My wife's sitting here. So <laughs> I bet she over there. She about you better not. <laughs> I know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> 
but these are realities of life. Yes. And so these are realities of manhood. So tell us about that decision um, as a man, when we make that determination, I'm ready for this lifestyle of being married. What was mm. that like for you? Me and you mm. have had this discussion before because you've been on my sister podcast called You Gotta Love Love podcast and we interviewed you and your lovely wife, Maisha. So mm-hmm. I want to hear that from you from a male perspective. I want our men to hear this. This is part of fatherhood. We're going to get there in a few more minutes. But this is, the, in my opinion, the way to properly build up to that. We, don't, yes. we can't just start at fatherhood. Mm-hmm. These are the steps that right. one needs to take to build because fatherhood ain't easy. That's it. No a lot else. of challenges, and we have to have a foundation that makes us stay in the game and not get out of the ring. That's right. Marriage, Mike D. Man, I'm gonna tell you. Um, you know, first off, when you think about marriage, again, I approach it with the intent of for the rest of my life. Like I take that to heart. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. hey, we we'll try it out for a little bit, test it out, test run. If it doesn't work, and we go. No, I don't step into this or I did not step into this with the mindset of this is something I'm just trying out right um and I'll tell you I grew up with again you know my mother and father and you know I'm a mama's boy and one of the things that stuck with me years ago I went to a former co-worker's wedding and at the wedding the guy or the husband you know he spoke at the end at the reception and he mentioned you know, the fact that, you know, he was a mama's boy himself and he was one of three boys like myself. And mm-hmm. people asked him numerous times, like, so how did you know she was the one? How did you know she was the one? And he said, you know, me being a mama's boy, the moment that I was comfortable with her replacing my mother as the most important woman in my life wow. was the moment that I knew she was the one for me. Wow. And literally, you know, that thing brought me to tears thinking about it. But that was also the litmus test for me to recognize when it was time for my wife and I to take that next step. The moment that I was comfortable with her replacing my wife, I mean, my mother as the most important woman in my life was the moment that I recognized it was time. And thinking about that, it was also a situation in which I had to recognize whether or not this was someone that I could grow with Hmm. because I had a mentor years ago that said Mike and this is right when I got married or right when I was getting married he said and he was actually 25 years or so married and he was just going through a divorce and Hmm. one of the things he mentioned to me he said Mike make sure to reintroduce yourself to your wife every so often because Hmm. you're going to when you're going to change who you are at 29 when you get married is going to be a different brother at 35, at 45, at 55, at 65. But you need to also make sure that she does that with you as well. Because the same, you know, young thing that you met back when she was in her early 20s, she's going to be different at 30, at 40, at 50, and at 60. It's going to have different interests and different perspectives. So you all periodically need to reintroduce yourselves to each other, but you need to start with that level of commitment that you're here until, you know, it's over. And when I say it's over, your life is over. And so until death do it part. And so I think the majority of it is starting with the intention of this is for life, not I'm just trying it out, to making sure that you understand that this is going to be the most important person in your life. And so you can't, you know, have your wife and then, you know, your mama's still in the mix as your most important mom, you know, the person, 
yeah, I love my mama and we go visit my mama. We take care and do this and do that. But my mother also knows that my wife is the most important woman in my life. And you have to be at that position as well. But then also someone that you can grow with, someone that you um, that you understand that you need to reintroduce yourself to on a very regular basis, but then encourage her to reintroduce herself to you on a regular basis so that you all continuously evolve and grow. Because what do most people say when something happens later in life? Oh, we grew apart. Yes. Well, you grew apart because you didn't consistently and periodically reintroduce the new you to your spouse. And yes. so that's something that we have to be committed to doing. I think that that is, you know, you hit it right on the head uh, in terms of, and, and it's funny, and these themes keep coming up and no matter what question we ask, it's the evolution of life and being able to make those adjustments. That's another part of the four principles and that's staying the course. Mm -hmm. um, that's a big part of, you know, all four parts, all four parts of the, the four principles are very, 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 very poignant. And staying the course is very, very important. And that means, you know, early on in our conversation, you said to me, and I wrote that down in my paper, when you talked about marriage, you talked about it's over. And that a lot of people now have that mindset of like, oh, oh you didn't wash the dishes? This is over. And it's very strange. That commitment is not there that is like, no, I'm going into this with that commitment to say, this is not over. We have to get through this. We have to figure this out of how this is going to navigate through. Even when we get knocked off the course, to be mm -hmm. able to get back on the course, but it's a big picture. Mm -hmm. It's another principle. What's really your big picture? Is your mm -hmm. big picture really, really, really your spouse? And I love that test that you gave to yourself. But it's illustrating and highlighting once again, how the foundation of family is so important and it generationally is important because you used, and I can relate to this and I've had recent conversations with my mom about this. It's that evolution of like, man, I'm a mama's boy or I'm just a family boy with my mom and my dad. Now I have somebody coming into my life. Are they worth it to get out of this family mm -hmm. and to go into my own? I want to do that, mm -hmm. but you have to be a person because I'm good over here. Mm -hmm. My mom, my dad, I'm good. We still try. I traveled with my parents up until I was probably like 23, 24. I took them. It just changed the, the financial dynamic change where when I was a kid, obviously they were taking me to Walt Disney. But when I got to be in my 20s, I'm working. I'm taking them to Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. with my road dogs. Mm -hmm. When I met my wife, that's when you and I can relate. You're like, mm, I love my mom and my dad, but that's who I want next to me now when I get on the plane. That's right. That it's a high standard. And I think we owe that. We're going to get into that when we get into parenthood and, mm -hmm. and, and fatherhood. You mm -hmm. owe that to our parents to set that standard. And I got some good questions because you have a daughter, so I have some good questions for you on that one, but we get there. Okay. Mm -hmm. We owe that to them to set that standard that when they're dealing with other people, when we start dealing with looking for our mate, they have that standard to be like, you know what? You got to be better than what I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. That is such an important piece of the puzzle. Yes for us to be able to grow. And then that makes you have that commitment. Like I'm in it to win it with this. I'm not going anywhere. And I, and I will piggyback that to say that very recently, my mom said to me, my father again recently passed away. We were talking about something. And my mother said to me, cause we were, it was my, it was four of us in our household. It was my mother, my father, my brother and myself. My father and my brother have unfortunately passed in the past year. So it's just me and my mom. Sorry and to hear that. To me, Thank you. She said to me, you know, 
um, when you got married, because we were the three of us were very close. My brother left when I was younger. When I say left, he left that unit where he had his girlfriend, and that hurt me. That hurt the three of us. Because we, uh, for example, on Saturdays, listen, the lineup was we'd watch Amen, Two Two Seven, The Golden Girls, Empty Nest. My brother, myself, and my father would watch boxing. HBO boxing come on at ten o'clock. My mother would take a nap at one a.m. Guess what came on? Showtime with the Apollo, baby. There you and go. We all got up and watched that together. That was uh, every Saturday. And all of a sudden, my brother got a girlfriend. Mm. And he's gone. And the three of us were looking at each other like, what is this? Mm. He's gone. Fast forward, I had to do that to my parents. Mm. And we never had this conversation until recently. My mother said, you know, we love Michelle to death. But we were jealous because it hurt us because you were gone. Mm. And it hurt me too. And I missed them. But like you said, that shows the power of what my wife brings to the table. That's that right. This is the future. My mm. sons and our family together is the future. This yeah. is what I want our audience to hear. Because I get so disappointed sometimes when I listen to these young guys and they're not getting that. They're not yeah. getting that feeling of, oh, this is my family. There ain't no gang in the world Mm-mm. that can beat this unit that you have. Ooh. There's nothing that's the that can beat this. Nothing. That's the design. That's the design. Yes. See, that's that's the other part, and you you emphasize it. And I think as parents, because I have, you know, obviously a young girl and a young boy, have mm-hmm. a 10 year old and an eight year old. And, you know, our job is to get them built and raised in a way that they can then ultimately take care of themselves and yes. go on and have their own family and do their yes. own thing. Now, I'll be honest with you again, mine are eight and 10. And so we come to this conclusion and, you know, we're about a decade away from being completely empty nesters when they go off to college and, and do yes. their thing. But the reality is that's the design. As yes. sad as I'm going to be to look up and realize my babies ain't in the room next to us and they're not fussing and fighting about this and breaking this and whatever that as much as I'm going to you know be frustrated or whatever about them leaving and that not being the case that's how it's designed yeah and so we have to understand that as parents that that's what this is why we're together to create this thing to create this structure to instill these principles to create the platform and then we're like push you out the door it's time for you to go Yes. And I'll, I'll be crying the whole way. Yes. I'll be crying yes. all the way to the door. <laughs> Full transparency. But that's what I'm designed and that's what we're designed to do just like our parents had to do with us. And and listen, I will say this, and I haven't gotten to that point yet either, but I believe and I can feel it in my heart, there's no greater feeling to me than when me and Michelle get to the point where we can say, you know what, baby? We're going over our boy's house. I can go Ooh. and sit in their living room and kick mm-hmm. back. And I can turn on the game in, on their TV. Mm-hmm. I can eat up their food. That's right. Leave my plate on the on the living room coffee table and go home. And say, y'all and can That's it. That's, That's it. it. That's the That's best it. feeling in the world. I look forward to those days. But let's mm-hmm. let's 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 back up a little bit mm-hmm. and talk about the transition. Now we're here to talk about okay. fatherhood. We're here. Yes. Let's talk about first and foremost because this is also important. And this is something I think we overlook. And again, we want to hone this into men. That's who we're talking to. Mm-hmm. It should not be a uh, decision that's not thought about. This is decision-making mm-hmm. process, another principle of mental conditioning. When is it time to say, you know what? I'm married. We're rolling. 
But when is it time to say, I'm ready to be a father? Mm. Does that matter? Is that is something that we should sub- that we should consciously be thinking about? Or should we just kind of close our eyes and let it happen? Uh, yeah, you, you know, know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I feel what you're saying. And, I, and it's interesting because I don't think, again, I you know, kind of hold back from telling people what they should do because everybody's situation and or circumstance is different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I will say is that if you feel this thing inside of you and you and your wife are, you know, both on the same page and you're wanting children, I say have children, right? Mm-hmm. On the flip side, if you and your wife together are like, you know, we're not quite ready yet, then you're not quite ready yet, right? But my whole thing is, I don't think that there should be a limiting factor involved that should hinder you from having children if, you know, that's something that you and and your wife really want to have and really want to do if you all want to be parents. But I do recognize that there are people who are married that do not want to be parents, right? And that's okay, right? Right. But then I also am am sensitive and, and understanding and empathetic to the fact that there are people who want children and aren't able to biologically have them, Absolutely. right? And so they have, you know, go the route of adoption or they have to, you know, do different treatments and fertility treatments and all to, you know, be in a position to biologically have kids. And some, it doesn't work and they just have to, you know, they're just awesome uncles and aunts and they, they, they're mentors and they have nieces and nephews and they have, you know, God kids and they're just, that's, that's the role that they play in life. So I'm sensitive and empathetic to all of it. My whole thing is when you do that deep dive and, you know, you you pray and y'all to sit together and you understand the direction and you all are aligned in a direction regarding parenthood, I say mm-hmm. walk in that direction and don't let anything deter you from that. Totally agree. I love I love I love that. And, and, and as you said, it is a personal choice um, and it's hard for us to really ascertain that for individuals and it's just a matter of I think again that communication piece to where we have to be on the same page of communication um, as individuals and that's the way the honesty comes into play and then once again the self-evaluation comes into play and to say like you know what am I ready do I still have issues mentally that I'm dealing with not necessarily issues that I need to see seek attention but just I have to make sure that I'm ready. And this is these next questions coming oh. forward. I'm gonna get to you. I'm a, next question coming forward will reflect on that. But go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was gonna say the, the thing that's interesting, and this is something because I, I can speak to my personal yes, you know, that's what I mean. It, it's like, you know, when I really think about it, I don't know any first-time father who was ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? I'm serious. Yes, yes, that's like, true. I, I always say you're ready and you're yeah. not ready at the same dang time because right. the reality is. Yes, you can read every book in the world. You can have yes. all the advice. You can have all the, you know, the trinkets and every the, the perfect baby room set up. And you can have all of these things. And you still, when that baby pops out and y'all get out the hospital and get home and, right. you know, all the help right. that you had, parents came right. to visit and all that stuff, everybody leaves, you know, right. that week after the baby's here. And now it's just you, your what wife, you hollering baby. You're just yes. like, yeah, I done read all these books. I done watched all these YouTube videos. I done took all these classes. I got all these trinkets and bottle warmers and breast pumps and something pillows. We got all these things, but I'm lost. Now right? what? Now what? And, and so to your point, it's just like, I think for all fathers and all of us that are honest about it, when that first kid came, 
I don't care if you grew up with 30 kids around, if you had 30 siblings in your household. When yeah. it came time for you <laughs> to have your own, right, right, right. For you and your wife, and every and, and in that moment when everybody leaves, I'm talking yeah. about like because we we had parents come visit us and all that kind of stuff when the kids were born, but eventually they leave and go home. To me, that's when that's when the clock starts. It's just like, okay, this is our first night at this house with this little thing here screaming at yes. us yes. by our stuff. Nobody's helping change diapers. Nobody's helping clean up. Nobody's cooking yes. for us. Yes. It's now all on us. And guess what? I wasn't ready, but yes. we figured it out. And, and, and that, again, going to lead me right down the path perfectly because now what is the question? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, that I think that's actually a good thing that you feel that way because mm-hmm. that's showing that you're taking that responsibility. Remember I said, we are our children's first mental conditioning coach. And that's scary mm-hmm. because the direction of where these kids are going to go is in our hands. Yes. It's in our hands. That's a great responsibility. And I want people, especially us as men, to understand like this child, this living being, their direction is in our hands. We hold a great influence. We started off about 45 minutes ago talking about, and you made that example to say, you know what, whether there were qualities that we want or we don't want, and you use this personal example, and I can too, we have things that our dads did that influence us to this day whether we mm-hmm. wanted it as a good thing or a bad thing. And so mm-hmm. we, when you had that baby then screaming and hollering and, 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 and crying, when you think about it, it's not about that. I understand that what, how I react to him screaming and yelling at three, two o'clock in the morning right now is going to affect him. Every decision mm-hmm. that I make is going to affect him or her. That's great responsibility. And yes, it's good. That's a good nervous energy to have. Because that's showing that, I know this is a great challenge and I know what I'm up against. I don't know how it's going to turn out. That's right. A little bit afraid. But the question is, now what? Let's fast forward a little bit to them getting out of the crib and the conversations now that we're going to have. This is my favorite part now because I'm going to address the boys first and I'm going to go into the girls. I don't have girls. That's why I love okay. to have this conversation with fathers. But I'm going to go with the boys first. This is a little bit okay. more what I know. Okay. We're still having these conversations with our sons. And we said earlier that it's not just about the verbal conversations, but it's about also our actions. And so I'm, I'm asking you in that sense from the verbal conversations and the actions that you have as a man and your son is viewing that. What are some of the things that you're consciously saying, you know what, I want to have this conversation with my son. I want to make sure that my son is seeing these actions from dad. What are some of those things that you do or don't do? It's, it's interesting. Um, the more I evolve and grow, the more I understand that, especially, you know, that first eight to 10 years of life, the conversations to your sons and your daughters are roughly the same. Right. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we go back to the concept of like, you know, the, the stereotypes of, you know, what we need our man, our young sons to know versus what we need our young daughters to know. But the reality is they both need to learn and understand resilience. They both need to learn and understand, you know, working through issues and problems. They both need to understand asking questions, effective communication, um, learning how to take care of themselves, learning how to, you know, care for others, um, being situationally aware. Um, They need to understand how to pay attention, you know, with regard to the company that they keep you know, the friends, you know, understanding what's right and wrong, 
you know, they have to have basic academic understandings. They need to have, you know, basic hygiene, you know, and those will be different. <laughs> yes, I was a boy and a girl. Um, and so when I stop and I think about all of those, yes, we have conversations about things when they come up, when they see something on the news or when well, they don't really watch the news, but when something comes up, a big story pops up on social media or when it's, you know, floating all over the place and they have questions about it, you know, we have to address those questions. It used to be, hey, we'll talk about it later. Hey, that's grown folks stuff. But the reality is due to the exposures that they have now, we have to address things very much early on. Like we can't avoid topics that maybe used to be taboo and you could wait yes. until it's 14. We can't do that now. We haven't had these conversations at seven, eight, nine on their level in a way that they can understand. Yes. And so to that point, as it pertains to my son and my daughter, is the fact that I want to make sure that we, my wife and I, are modeling behaviors that we're okay with them replicating, right? And that's the biggest thing because kids don't always do what they're told, but they almost always have, you know, will replicate or repeat what they see. And yes. so, you know, how we treat each other. Okay, that's setting the framework for when my son starts dating, you know, how he's going to treat a girl. Well, same thing with my, my, my daughter, you know, how I treat, you know, my wife, that's what she's going to start looking for as she starts dating and all of that. Um, yes. You know, how we communicate with each other, how we talk to each other. You know, do they see daddy follow through with things or does daddy kind of leave a whole lot of things hanging? Does he do what he says he's going to do? Is he a man of his word or is he someone who's like, he might say that, but he might mean something else and he's wishy-washy, right? If dad, you know, if I need support, can I count on him to support me? Right. If not, then, you know, my son gets the memo that, hey, I ain't got to be there. I can say something. I can finesse the situation and keep it moving. On the flip side, my daughter starts to think, OK, I guess that's how me and are because that's how my daddy is. Right. And so mm -hmm. I think it's more important to just think about the examples that we set day yes. in and day out as we operate. And yes, we need to narrate and communicate and explain ask questions. But I think another big component is creating an environment in which they are safe to come to us and ask questions, yes. right? Because if we don't create that environment, then that discourse will not happen. And they'll go somewhere else to get the answers that you want to provide for them, yes. right? And so so I, I, I hope that answers the question. And, you know, I gave a lot of things there, but the reality is, is setting the example through your actions because your actions will far outlive any words that you say. I, I, I agree. And, you know, we've, that's been a theme for us throughout. And I think that, again, is something that, you know, we, you can't state that enough in terms of our actions. And I think that, you know, when we look at it and we have a, a harsh, honest look uh, with the family structure today and what's going on, I think that's a big issue in terms of the actions behind it. You know, mm -hmm. the actions behind what we're telling our children, we have to make sure that we're following. And remember what we said, when we talked about marriage, we said that that's something that we need to work on. You know, mm -hmm. the, the value of marriage is really going down. So that's an action that already our kids are not getting an example to be able to see. We're having so many single parent households um, today. So that's something that a lot of our kids are kind of missing out on. Now I want to get to my favorite, my favorite question. Okay. For, for, for you, but you're going to have to fast forward, I think, a little bit because it, you, your kids are a bit young. For your daughter, as she starts to mature a little bit, get into the teenage years, years of dating. Sorry to bring it up. Oh, but, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, so I've already thought about it. Yeah, I know. 
and I, and I, and I always have this, because I think this is really important and, mm-hmm. and, and really, really serious for us, especially in the, in the black communities, uh, sending our daughters out there to find their significant others and their mates. Um, we want them to have quality, and that goes obviously for both of our male Absolutely. and females. We want them to both have quality uh, partners. But as a dad who is, and I've gotten some pushback on this one, I believe this to be true, but I get some people get a little offended when I say that. I, I kind of feel as though for daughters, you as their father are kind of technically their first boyfriend kind of setting the tone for that. That's how I believe. You're setting the tone for like, well, I saw how my father is. My father really, I, in a certain sense, I'm always, I, I, I wish I had a daughter, but I'm kind of, I'm probably glad I didn't because my boys don't get away with nothing. If I had uh-huh. a daughter, she would get away with everything. I know that. Where mm-hmm. my, my daughter said, oh, daddy, I want to have this from the store. My, my boys ask me like, we get it tomorrow. My daughter, mm-hmm. I'll probably be like, hon, let's go. Take care of you right now. Mm-hmm. I know I wouldn't. I believe uh-huh. I would be. I, I'm speaking on speculation, but I think that's how I would be. And that's uh-huh. setting the tone. Now, being doing that, we're setting the tone for her to, her to have to go out there into the dating world, and she's looking for that. Uh-huh. Is that something that you're consciously thinking of as a father of a daughter? And I uh-huh. want to say this right. Can uh-huh. you correct me and, and, and tone down the question? Okay. No, you're good. Are you setting, is it possible? Or is it a concern of a father of a daughter that I'm setting the standard too high? Because when uh-huh. she goes out there, it's going to be hard for her to find a guy to match what I can do. Is that something that as a father, you're consciously thinking of with the daughter? Again, as she gets a little bit older, is that is that something that's off base that you don't think about? Or is that something that you do think about? You know, it's interesting. Um, first off, you know, I... I approach life through the lens of abundance, right? So when I stop and I think about it, there are roughly 8 billion people in the world, okay? Mm-hmm. And so I am a firm believer that there is somebody out there for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the reality is I also believe that we should live our authentic truth, no matter what that is. We need to, you know, how we were blessed and designed, I think that's how we need to, you know, pursue and push ourselves out there into the world. And if you do that authentically, I believe you will find, you know, whoever that person is that God has set up for you, whether, you know, it's in your teenage years, or maybe it's not until your 40s or 50s. I do believe that person is there. Um, And I, and so I, so, so saying that, I do not believe that I need to minimize you know, what I do so that I don't set the bar too high for whoever my daughter ends up marrying in life. Um, Because first off, whoever she marries will not be me. There's only one me and there never will be another me, right? That's one, right? And that's the thing that we have to understand that each individual person, even if they're similar, they are a unique being that's never been created and never will be created ever again. So there, there are no, I mean, you only thing, you, the closest thing you'll have is a cop, right? And so, I, but I do think that there are qualities that I bring to the table that um, would hopefully be desirable to her because she sees the joy in the life of her mother, right? Yes, and so, yes. but that, in my opinion, should not be um, connected to material things 
They should not be connected to status, to certain wealth or whatever. It should be back to what we mentioned earlier, concepts and principles or characteristics. And now, and so to that point, I think when we start doing that, I think a lot of guys are subconsciously trying to substitute stuff and things for the qualities and the stuff and things. Yes, you might maybe be on a level of wealth that very few people can get to, right? Mm -hmm. But you also have to embed inside of your daughter this whole notion that it's not about stuff. It's about alignment. It's about you all being equally yoked. And it's about you all connecting in a way in which you all can grow and build together, no matter where you're coming from, right? And so that's, and, and I think that's important to kind of have that, but really to have open and honest conversations about that and explaining it. Because again, I, I think there's a lot of people, I mean, if you think about, you know, uber wealthy celebrities, you know, you know, Robert Smith, who's like the richest black man in the world, you know, if he has a daughter, you know, what he can financially do or provide for his daughter, there are literally no other black men on the planet that can financially do exactly what he can do because he's the richest black man in history, right? Absolutely. You look at other celeb individuals who are worth hundreds of millions of dollars or billionaires or whatever, the things that they can financially do for their daughter might not get close to even getting close to getting touched by anybody else or any man that she may meet in the world. And so if we basically put it on the level of materialism, I think then that becomes a challenge. But we yes. have to go deeper than that layer and realize that it's more than just the stuff, the wealth, the money, and the status. And it's the concepts, the principles, the love, the commitment, the alignment, being equally yoked spiritually, value systems. All of that stuff is where it starts. Because if you really look at it, yes, the divorce rate, I think in America is like 50, 51%, something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's not 51% if you look at all of the different components when there's alignment on spiritual conviction, alignment on goals, alignment on family structure, alignment on you know attainments and, and, and direction in life, the divorce rate is not 51%. It's a whole lot lower than that. Mm -hmm. So again, if we start from that framework and we help to instill that in our daughters, regardless of your status of wealth, I think you open up this window for them to look at it from the standpoint of, I'm looking for these characteristics and components and alignment, not for somebody who can do it like my daddy did it from the standpoint of buying me this, buying me that, and making sure my bank account looks like this. I, I, I agree, I agree fully. And, and it's challenging. Mm -hmm. uh, because we do want the best for our kids, and that's not just our daughters, that's just our sons, uh, mm -hmm. both e equally as important. And so it, it is challenging for us because, again, we are developing their mindset. Yes. So that's always such a thing that you're kind of looking at. But I am going to agree with, with you in that there is somebody for everybody. And mm -hmm. you just kind of hope that we can set the tone for our children to be able to it's another self-evaluation thing for them to be in tune with themselves to say, I know what I am looking for. You know, yes. that's why I try to tell my kids it really, it's really about being in touch with yourself. You know, people always ask me and my wife all the time, you always get the, if you have any time on in marriage, people always say, well, what's your secret? You know, like, you know, I don't know. But, but the truth is to me, a lot of marriage has to do with self-evaluation and understanding. You said earlier, we have to keep reintroducing ourselves to our spouses 
that is important. And in order for us to do that, we have to constantly keep evaluating ourselves to be able to do that. So that's a very critical piece. And that's something that I feel like we need to give to our children to let them know who you are, because life is a sparring match. And well, take that back. Life is the fight. We're sparring and we're getting better. We're sharpening each other here. But when this is over, we have to go out there and that's the fight of life. And in, and sometimes we get hit on the chin and sometimes we get knocked down. And sometimes guess what? We do lose some of the fights, but we are able to get up and retrain. But when we retrain and get back into the ring for the rematch, we're different. We are yeah. different. And we have to be conscious of, well, how am I different now? I might yeah. be better because I might say, I'm not scared to lose now. Mm-hmm. I might be worse because I'm, I'm scared to I'm scared to get hit because I never thought I can get knocked out, but I got knocked out and I'm more conscious of that. But you have to evaluate one way or the other where I'm at. And I think that's a quality that we can give to our children to say, don't be afraid to do that evaluation. You're going to reveal some things we talked about earlier, peeling back layers. When sometimes we peel back those layers is not what we want to see, but we have to be very, very confident in that. And then I'm going to, the last question is, is kind of going to wrap all of that up. And it kind of goes back to, again, from a male perspective, from a male perspective, because I think this is something that we discuss quite a bit in here, the balance, the balance of manhood. We talked about, we went through it, being a man, being a husband, being a father, being a provider, all of these things go into play, run, having your podcast and doing all of these different things. That's a challenge. That's one of the things that we spar about in here a lot. Because sometimes, frankly, we're human and men can run out of gas, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. But who do we go to when we mm-hmm. run out of gas? And, and that's one of those things where you spoke about. And, and I've had this really, really good one on one sparring sessions with a partner of mine, smart partner of mine. We talk about this and that, you know, he says, you know, we're not living in that day. And in, 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 in maybe our grandfathers, that was absolutely out of the question. You could never come home and and. and Share with your wife, hun, I'm out of gas. I need some help. That's just uh-huh. what didn't happen. But it's become more of a modern day thinking that we can share that load with our significant others. So talk to me about, uh, as we close it down, talk to me about the balance as a man. How do you balance all of those different things that you have? Because it is a challenge to balance all of these different uh, aspects of our life. Again, being a husband, being a father, you know, having a career, doing the things that you need to do to provide and keep a lifestyle. What is the balance that you personally might de- use um, to keep yourself mentally uh, in pretty good shape? Mm. You know, I will, I'm going to tell you, it's interesting. And maybe this resonates, but maybe it doesn't. But honestly, balance is overrated. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if you really look at it, um, if you spent all day Monday doing something, you spent all day Tuesday doing something different, something different on Wednesday all day, something different on Thursday all day, something different on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And each day you did something different, but that day you only did one thing, right? Mm-hmm. If you look backwards and you know hindsight's 2020 over that week, it looks like your week was balanced because yes. you spent the same amount of time on these seven different items throughout the week, but you didn't look at the fact that on Monday, all I did was this. I didn't do those other six things. On Wednesday, I did this only. Those other six things, you know, I basically had to table. But when I look back on it, you know, they say hindsight is 2020, right? So when we really look at it, 
when we look back, our life looks balanced. We spent 40 hours a week doing this and 40 hours doing this and 10 hours doing that. And it looks like it's balanced, but the reality is, no, it wasn't balanced. In this moment, we did what we had to do. And at this moment, I am 100% dad. At this moment, we locked the door and I'm 100% husband. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? At this yes. thing, you got where I'm going with that one. At yes. this moment, yes. <laughs> at this moment, hey, I'm having an interview and a conversation with my man Elliot, right? In this particular moment, I'm not balanced. My kids are, I think, playing. I think wife just went to go get her nails done. And, you know, what? I mean, look, but right now, I'm, I'm having a conversation with you, right? But mm -hmm. again, if you look backwards and you look at the time allocated, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that was a balanced life. And it was interesting. I was thinking about it. You know, the thing that we do not have more of is time, right? Mm -hmm. So when people talk about like multitasking and oh, I'm I'm multitasking or I'm so busy doing this, 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 and this, the reality is you don't you can't get any more time and you only have 100 percent of your attention, right? So if I'm doing more than just talking to you right now, that means I'm giving you less than 100 percent of my attention, yes. right? So when we think about these different things that we're doing in life, I think, you know, you have to work with a schedule and you have to allocate time for this and allocate time for that. But just be present in whatever you're doing, because you cannot balance everything all the time. And if you try to balance everything all the time, you're splitting up your attention, you're splitting up your effort and you're not giving your full self to that thing. And that's when we don't bring our best self to the table. I thought about something actually it's interesting the other day, and it was a concept that basically those individuals who are super balanced only reach moderate success with regard to their potential. Mm -hmm. Because that are balanced, that means they're trying to split. I'm going to give 30% to this, 30% to that, 30% to that, and 10% to this. So I'm kind of keeping it balanced. I'm not committing to anything in the particular moment. So right. I'm never giving all in any particular sense. And so when I think about that, and, and again, this is something that I've evolved in, and come to over time because I think I want balance. Like, no, I really don't want balance. Mm -hmm. I want to do what I need to do in that particular moment because yesterday is gone, tomorrow's unknown. What are we doing right now? And so right now I'm having a conversation with you. When we finish this, I'm gonna go play with the kids. And then when wifey gets back, we're gonna sit down and have dinner. But each specific thing, I'm in the moment doing that. And so for me, balance is when you look back over your over the course of the time and you realize hindsight's 2020 and I allocated certain time to it but in each particular moment I'm not balanced I'm focused on what it is I need to be doing in that moment does it ever come a time when uh we're allocating things and I get what you're saying you're 100% focused on whether it's time with the wife or time with the children or whatever it is that you're working on does it come times where uh, something that's on that list gets neglected? If yeah. so, how do you make that adjustment? Oh, man, dude, you know, I, I try to think about life and I think about it through the lens of, um, you know, balls and eggs, right? And so we're all juggling, right? There's so many things that are going on. But my thing is you have to figure out what's most important in that particular moment. Like eggs, if you drop eggs, you know, you can't use them anymore because they crack. You drop a ball, worst case scenario, it rolls down the street, but it's going to sit there and you can go back and pick it up later. Right. And so there are times in which I have misappropriated my time or my attention. And so at that moment, I need to pivot. Right. So I'm focused on, you know, having a conversation with you. But if something happens outside and the kid comes in screaming, I'm going to be like, Elliot, pause, my brother. I got to go. <laughs> right, right, right. 
Right. You know what I'm saying? And so, so in the moments, we have to be able to, to stay flexible and nimble to adjust when needed and or necessary. And I, I've made the wrong decisions, the wrong calls. I think I need to be focused on that. And it's like, oh, oh that wasn't the right move at that moment, brother. <laughs> I should have been focused over here. And again, you know, I apologize if I make the wrong decision, but my whole thing is just pivot in the moment and fix it. But don't, but give yourself grace and space. Like, I mean, again, I don't have life figured out. That's another thing. One more thing, you know, cause you know, men, you're a mental conditioning coach and I'm a personal development coach. I tell people all the time, I don't have all the answers. That's right, like, that's I'm, right. I'm figuring this thing out and I just hope to be better tomorrow than I am today, right? And I hope today I'm better than I was yesterday. And I let you know up front, perfection is not a requirement for greatness. Now I'm great, don't get it twisted, but I'm far from perfect. I'm gonna screw up probably before the end of the day in something, I'm gonna say something I don't need to say or yes. whatever, it is what it is, right? But yes. the reality is just be in the moment. If I do something wrong, I'm going to apologize for it, make amends for it. But man, we got to keep it moving because time is going to continue to move on. Listen, I told you guys when we opened up that Mike D was something special. And I don't think he's come up short in any way, you know, shape, form or fashion. He has done everything that I wanted and then more. And I think that one of the persistent themes that has come up um, today as we close is self-evaluation. You know, Mike summed it up without me even having to ask it. And everything that he just said in the last you know, minute and a half that he just spoke about, I think really comes down to strong and powerful self-evaluation. He said in there a couple of different times, hey, I could be wrong. And he said something even more powerful. That guess what? I'm going to tell you, I screwed that one up. That's not easy. And I think that sometimes the ego of manhood uh, takes away from us being able to actually say that. So I love the fact that he you know, articulated that because that's something that I think is really, really important. That self-evaluation to first and foremost, evaluate that, man, you know, I misappropriated, you know, my task for the day, I made a mistake, or it may be over the course of six months. I realized, you know what, man, the last six months, I, I'm sorry, honey. I just took you for granted. And I came home. I just didn't really think about taking you out or whatever it is, but we have to be able to back up and say, you know what, have that conversation. That's that allow me to reintroduce myself to my wife mentality. I made a mistake. So I'm going to reintroduce myself. Here I am. And I've recommitted myself to making sure that I do the things necessary for you. We may have to have that conversation with our children. We may have to have that conversation with ourselves about a project that we're working on. But it's mm -hmm. really about that self-evaluation um, piece that's very, very important to us. And Mike D has shown that not just in the last minute and 30, but I think that's something that he has shown throughout the whole time we've been on here talking. And that's why, again, I knew that he was going to be the perfect man to set it off in June um, and spar with me. And, and listen, my brother, I look forward to many, many, many sparring sessions. I'm going to get you in on a few sparring sessions with another, a, a few more of our very, very powerful guys that work hard here in the mental conditioning gym. Hopefully you will join us for that. We'd love to have you around. Uh, you bring a lot to the table. Uh, we wish you very, very much success uh, with the podcast. Tell everybody exactly when they can hear the podcast, where the where they can hear it, given the particulars on your podcast. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much. And absolutely, man, I'm looking to get back in the ring with you, my man, because this, this sparring session was awesome, man. It was fruitful. And, you know, I didn't leave too bruised up, so I, I think I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but thank you for asking regarding the podcast. Anywhere you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, you can go to my YouTube channel, find Coach Mike D, Black Fathers Now is the name of the podcast. And literally every Monday I drop a new episode. Um, so by the time you hear this, we'll be well into uh, over 270 episodes launched. 
And actually, you can go back and listen to my my initial conversation with my man Elliot Allen. He dropped yeah. a lot of gems. Probably been a couple of years, so I think we're yes. we're due to to give a follow up, you know, conversation to Absolutely. you know let us know what what's been going on with you lately. But uh, but anyway, you get podcast any you know platform Black Fathers Now, um, YouTube anywhere, and you know if you hear it and you like it, share it with somebody. As we're all about bringing the village to the brothers, um, you know, because we're looking to, to impact lives and impact generations going forward. So thanks for the opportunity to share with you all. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to spar with you, my man. <laughs> Thank you, Mike D. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Mental Condition and Gym podcast. We will see you right here again next week. Everybody have a powerful week. Remember to stay in that gym. Remember to keep sharpening. Keep Remember to keep evaluating your sparring partners that you're sparring with and keep pushing forward. We'll see you guys right here again next week. All right. Peace.